Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Grammar Girl here, I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about the schwa, and I have a funny familect story about a Scrabble game that got out of hand. But first, here's a recommendation for another podcast I think you'll like. It's called Savvy Psychologist, and every week, Dr. Ellen Hendrickson shares evidence-based research to help you get through life's challenges. Just like my show, it's short and sweet and full of practical tips you can use in your everyday life. Her latest episode was an interview with Adam Grant, host of the hugely popular Work Life podcast. So check out the interview and the rest of the podcast by searching for Savvy Psychologist wherever you listen. And now, on to the schwa. The 1987 movie The Princess Bride, directed by Rob Reiner, is the source of more catchphrases and funny lines than almost any other movie I can think of. But one of the silliest comes from a scene on a boat. The swordman Anigo Montoya and his hulking comrade Fezzik pass the time by playing a rhyming game. Montoya offers a line such as, At Vicini, he can foss. He's talking about their irritable boss named Vizzini. Fezzik responds with, Fuss, fuss. Think you like to scream at us? Vizzini is annoyed by the game and tells them to quit, but they continue. Montoya says, Fezzik, are there rocks ahead? Fezzik answers, If they are, we all be dead. As the camera pans away from the boat, we can hear Vizzini getting angrier, barking out, no more rhymes now, I mean it! A second later, Fezzik comes back with, Anybody want a peanut? I still laugh at that line. It's just such a non sequitur. And what makes it even funnier is that Fezzik is rhyming mean it with peanut. It's such an obvious cheat to make the rhyme work. After all, mean it doesn't rhyme with peanut. Or does it? Just by looking at the spelling, you wouldn't think so. The last syllable of meanit is spelled I-T, but the last syllable of peanut is spelled N-U-T. But if you say meanit and peanut quickly enough, the rhyme works. How is that possible? The answer is the schwa. Schwa is the name for the nondescript middle-of-the-road vowel that almost any other English vowel can turn into. It's the vowel spelled with an A in agree and with E in faded. It's the vowel spelled with an I in rapid and with O in salmon. It's spelled with a U in bonus, with a Y in vinyl, and with various combinations of vowel symbols in words such as nation, famous, and ocean. 
You don't spread your lips wide to make it the way you do with the vowel sound in tree. You don't round your lips to make it as you do with the vowel sound in shoe. You don't even have to open your mouth very wide to say it, unlike the vowel sound in ball, or ironically, the one in the word schwa itself. Instead, you just relax your face muscles, let gravity pull your jaw down a little bit, and turn on your voice. Uh. This totally relaxed way of making a schwa is related to one other important fact about it in English. The schwa occurs only in unstressed syllables. Did you notice that the schwa sound in all my earlier examples occurred in unstressed syllables? Here's the list again. Agree, faded, rapid, salmon, vinyl, nation, famous, and ocean. The word schwa comes to us from German, which got it from the Hebrew word shiva or sheva, which according to the Oxford English Dictionary meant emptiness or vanity. In an article in Mental Floss titled Fun Facts About the Schwa, linguist Erica Okrant writes that the shiva is a symbol written below consonants in Hebrew to indicate a vowel like the one in the English word let. The symbol for the schwa is sometimes described as a backward lowercase e, but this isn't accurate. The schwa symbol is actually a lowercase e that's been rotated. Imagine the lowercase e painted on a doorknob. If you grab that doorknob and turn it 180 degrees, you'll turn that lowercase e into a schwa symbol. Or if you're a bad spy and you're sitting on a park bench pretending to read a newspaper, but you've got the newspaper turned upside down, you've turned all the lowercase e's into schwas, a dead giveaway that you're up to something. In fact, the symbol for the schwa is also called a turned E. A backward lowercase e, on the other hand, looks different. Imagine a lowercase e cut out of construction paper, lying on a desktop in front of you. If you pick it up and flip it over from right to left or left to right, you'll be looking at a backward lowercase e, also known as a mirrored e. In fact, the mirrored e is a legitimate symbol for another vowel, but it's one that only occurs in certain dialects of English that I don't speak, and various languages of the world that I really don't speak. According to Erica Okrant, the turned e symbol was used for the schwa sound as far back as 1812, but came to be called schwa only around 1895. Before that, she writes, people called it the murmur vowel, the indeterminate vowel, the neutral vowel, the obscure vowel, and the natural vowel. Earlier, I said this vowel was a. Uh. If you learn to read using the phonetics system, you might remember this as the vowel sound known as the short u. What exactly is the difference between the schwa and the short u vowel? Some phonetics resources say that a schwa is softer and weaker than a short u, but what exactly does that mean? Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. <laughs> 
Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart Pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. We can get a more precise idea by looking at a vowel chart, such as the one in the official chart for the International Phonetic Alphabet, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. The IPA vowel chart is arranged so that vowels that require you to have your mouth almost closed are written at the top. These are called the high vowels, and in English, they're the vowels in fleece and goose. The vowels that require you to have your mouth wide open are at the bottom. These are the low vowels, and in English, they're the vowels in trap and lot. Notice how you open your mouth more when you say these words, trap, lot. The schwa appears halfway down in these charts. It's what they call a mid-vowel. The chart is also arranged so that vowels that require the front of the tongue to do most of the movement are written on the left. In English, these front vowels are the ones in trap, dress, face, kit, and fleece. The vowels that require the back of the tongue to do most of the movement are written on the right. In English, these back vowels are the ones in lot, thought, goat, foot, and goose. Once again, schwa is right in the middle. It's a mid-central vowel. So where is the short U vowel in relation to the schwa? It's a frustrating question. If you're looking at the IPA chart, you should look for a character that resembles an upside-down V. This character is called wedge. In some older IPA charts, wedge is near the top center. It's a high central vowel. However, in the most recent IPA chart, wedge is over on the right, slightly farther down in the chart than the schwa. It's a mid-back vowel. Which is correct? I don't know. But I do know the answer to whether mean it rhymes with peanut. The answer is that it depends on the speaker. Some speakers will reduce the final vowel in mean it to a schwa, while others will still pronounce it as the vowel in kit, short i, in the phonetics system. Some speakers pronounce peanut with stress only on the first part, the same way you'd stress only the first part of the name Chapman. Other speakers pronounce each part of the word peanut as a stressed syllable, similar to the way you'd stress both parts of Batman. For speakers who schwa-ify the final syllable in both meanit and peanut, the rhyme is perfect. For speakers who schwa-ify one or the other, the rhyme is less than perfect. And for other speakers who don't schwa-ify either of them, there is no way peanut rhymes with mean it. Maybe you're one of those speakers, and up until now, you've never known it. Now that you do, how about a donut? 
That segment was written by Neil Whitman, an independent PhD linguist who blogs at literalminded.wordpress.com. You can also find him on Twitter as literalminded. Next, I have a familect story that I found particularly delightful. It's by Milton Hallen, who's been listening to the podcast since the very beginning. Because this is longer than a typical story, I'm going to read it instead of playing a voicemail. Again, this is from Milton Hallen. My familect begins about 15 years ago during a game of Scrabble. Scrabble is a very serious game in our family, and we take our words very seriously. We even bought a Scrabble dictionary in order to settle disputes over what counts and doesn't count as a word. But this night was before the dictionary was purchased and before we really settled on a set of hard and fast rules. A word was allowed if the player could use it properly in a sentence. Anyway, the game started with my mother placing the letters H-E-A-P horizontally through the center star. Fair enough. A heap of dirty laundry piled on the floor. Other players built more words off heap, and eventually someone, who exactly is lost to time, decided to place the letters E-D onto the end of heap. Now we had heaped on the board. My sister asked, is that a word? And the player said, the clothes are all heaped on the floor. Yes, it's a word. That seemed to placate my sister, and we all shrugged and moved on. But then someone decided to use the letters U-N on heaped and made unheaped. This was the first sign that the night would not be progressing as normal. Someone challenged the word. I forgot that I needed to wear my lucky sweater tonight, so I unheaped the clothes to find it, and now everything is scattered all over the room. We all looked side-eyed at each other around the table, but nonetheless made a collective decision to let the ridiculousness continue. More words, more points, more rounds. We came back to unheaped when someone added R-E. The group momentarily lost its collective mind. How can this be a word? After I found my sweater, I threw all the clothes in a pile, but then I needed my favorite socks, so I re-unheaped everything to find them. We were flabbergasted. This could not get any more absurd. Surely it couldn't. But we sighed and allowed the game to continue. Next came the letters M-I-S, misreunheaped. Prefixes and suffixes had never before been used this much on one word in one game. What were we going to do? It turns out that as I was finding my socks, the clothes weren't thrown all over the room, but into an adjacent pile. I can't even throw clothes around correctly, and now they've been misreunheaped. The world had never seen such absurdity, but the show needed to go on. The available letters were running low, and we could finally see the end of the road, but not before someone added N-E-S-S to the board. Miss Re-Unheapedness was suddenly a word. After the debacle with the sweater and the socks, it became obvious that the clothes were in a state of severe Miss Re-Unheapedness. We gave up. The word now stretched off the game board. It was worth something like 225 points. The dictionary would have had a stroke if we'd tried to check it. But we couldn't stop laughing at ourselves for allowing this ludicrousness to happen. Since then, anytime any of us are involved in a crazy situation, or if something has happened, then unhappened, and been redone all over again, we just sigh, throw up our hands, and say simply, misreunheapedness. Stuck in traffic after leaving the mall parking lot that was full of traffic? Misreunheapedness. 
made a sandwich, threw it out in favor of a salad, and then decided you wanted a sandwich, after all? Miss Reunheapedness. Frustrated by any repetitious and intractable problem? Miss Reunheapedness. No one else can truly appreciate how it works in our family, but I suppose that's exactly what makes it a family act. Thanks again, Milton, for the great story. If you'd like to share your family act story, the story about a word that your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL. That's 833214-GIRL, and you might hear it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl, an author of seven books, including the New York Times bestseller, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. This show is part of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network, and you can find articles that go with each episode at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all. Thanks for listening. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.